from Burlington, Vermont, and now I'm tuned in to the new TNN. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is true. Do not adjust your sets. As usual, this is Johnny C. And unlike usual, you are now listening to the new TNN. Well, folks, it had to happen. After a very strongly worded cease and desist letter from Warner Brothers Discovery, the Aqua Cave is no more. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't think I'd cry. No, I'm not crying. So, no, guys, seriously. Look, uh, welcome to the new TNN. My name is Johnny C. You know what the score is. This is the just the next edition of Bright Man. But it's our first show underneath our new rebranding. Now, what the fuck is going on here? Well, not much, really. It's business as usual. Nothing is changing. It's just the Aqua Cave is now the new TNN. Why? Well, because I wanted to change the name of the feed to something that would invoke more of an all-encompassing pop culture feel. And what better than the new TNN? I mean, ever since the new TNN was formed back in the year 2000, it's been a one-stop shop for everything pop culture. It's been the number one network on the block for, like, what, 22 years now? And so what did they let the trademark fall by the wayside? Somebody had to come by and scoop it up? And that somebody's me, Austin. It was me all along. But, like I said, it's business as usual, but the new TNN is more in line with our brand synergy because we're covering all pop here on the new TNN. So, enough of that bullshit aside. Welcome to the latest edition of Bright Man. It's the show where Johnny C talks about whatever bright idea is going through his skull at the time. And what better to discuss than a very special episode of Monday Night Raw. Now, it's an era that we haven't covered or talked about here on the new TNN, and I thought it would be appropriate, given that it's the first episode of a new era. Now, we saw the dawning of a new era in our Concrete Man special when we talked about the night after the Royal Rumble 96. Well, this is the Bright Man rebranding special. It's September 25th, 2000, and I'm tuning in to the USA Network to watch Silk Stockings. Shit, it's the wrong channel. Patterson, give me the remote. I'm tuning to the new TNN for the first ever episode of Raw to take place on TNN. Eh, a bit obvious, a bit on the nose, you might say. Well, I would say that's certainly on brand for a Johnny C. So yeah, on this episode of Bright Man, we're just going to talk about the first episode of Raw on TNN from the year 2000. Pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, it is Shades of Our Concrete Man, Bron- Dawning of a New Era special, like we said. Uh, one of the things I want to do here is just sort of recap the show and relive in the skin of 2000. Just have a little fun. All of your favorites are here. Chris Benoit. Okay, some of your favorites are here. Uh, Stoko Steve Austin. Yay! But more importantly... I also want to make note of how many times they say TNN, or maybe not so much how many times, but just how frequently they say it. But I, I thought it was just some fun brand synergy. It's a it's a show that gets talked about a lot. Obviously, uh, they've put all their eggs into the basket. They put on a show that tried to grab an audience and try to make you want to seek it out. So why don't I do the same thing and recap a show that's supposed to want to put all their eggs in a basket and grab in a new audience? You see the brand synergy here, folks? You can practically smell it. So without further ado... September 25th, 2000, from the Bryce Dallas Howard Center 
in State College, Pennsylvania, the home of Joe Paterno. Hey, he's an okay guy. Not at all like that Benoit fella, huh? Oh, that joke went well. Uh, but here we go. We get the full attitude signature and the full introduction of Monday Night Raw's War. No cold open here, and that makes sense in all honesty from a television perspective. You want to start your show off in the normal way. No, just cut to the ring for a promo. You want to do your opening credits sequence. Can you imagine if Full House suddenly moved to CBS and there was no whatever happened to predictability? So yeah, that's why they do it. Of course, uh, the song's over, the pyro goes off, the crowd is electric, as you would expect. Now, like I said, I'm going to recap this show, but don't expect match grades or anything like that unless I decide to arbitrarily give a match one. So, uh, JR and the King welcome us. It is the dawning of an exciting new era in the World Wrestling Federation. This is our inaugural broadcast for Raw on TNN. King, how does it feel to be on TNN? Ah, how exciting! It's TNN, JR! Let's go! The glass breaks. What better way to start this broadcast on TNN than with the return of the rattlesnake? Now, when I said the glass breaks, folks, of course you know that means here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. But it's definitely an amped up rattlesnake because I'm taking the living inside you. I'm taking someone to hide you. It is, of course, Austin with his badass fucking disturbed version of his uh, song. I fucking love that song quite a bit. Uh, King lets us know the only per- I'm sorry. King lets us know that the only person that knows who hit Stone Cold Steve Austin at Survivor Series 99 with a moving car is indeed the person that did it. Oh, dynamite drop in there, King. A welcome addition to the new TNN, I see. But uh, the only reason I bring up that stupid line from the King is to let everybody know where we are in history. Austin returned last night at Unforgiven. He beat up Stone, or Stone Cold. He beat up Shane McMahon. He beat up some other fuckers. And, uh, you know, he's looking for the person that hit him with a car at Survivor Series 99. This is his return. And all brand synergy jokes aside, obviously, you're on the new TNN. You want to bring out your biggest star in your history or your recent history, I, you know, whatever. We can argue all day if it's Hogan or Austin or Rock. But right now, in this time, it's clearly Austin. So Stone Cold grabs the mic, and he's like, you know, so much has changed since I left the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, you know, Vince McMahon, I used, to, I used to butt heads with Vince McMahon on a weekly basis, and now he's gone. He's gone to make babies. The king yells, ah, Jack- Jackhammer! And then he's like, the king makes jackhammer noises you know and people wonder why the king had his job for so long yes he may have yelled puppies ridiculously but every once in a while he does something funny like make jackhammer noises i appreciate that uh austin's like well you know shane and steph are such jackasses hopefully that some bitch vince is shooting some blakes what says the king Austin lets us know that if he had been in a WWF earlier, like around the time that Vince left, uh, he would have bashed that some bitch over the head and dragged him to a vasectomy clinic. Now, folks, I didn't do any Googling, but I would have to imagine if you're a doctor, like you go through all of the requirements and you pay for the insurance and all the shit that you have to do to be a doctor in this country, and then you performing surgery, so that's probably some extra schooling, some extra insurance, and you open up a practice and all you do is offer vasectomies? It doesn't sound like a very lucrative operation. 
because eventually your area is going to reach a saturation point, right? You need to expand. You know, Dairy Queen sells hot food and ice cream. You can't just limit yourself to vasectomies. Perhaps, pray tell, Stone Cold was thinking of an abortion clinic. What are those? <laughs> just Google it, people. Uh, but I thought it was pretty funny that he called it a vasectomy clinic. Uh, Triple H and Stephanie, well, they're on again, off again, on again, off again. The worst damn marriage in the business. Uh, not to mention you got some guy, this, this guy Midian running around buck naked. Yeah, the naked man, he's streaking. Ah! Oh, he needs to get some clear cell and get those pimples off his ass. So, this, while funny, is interesting to me because Austin is out here cosplaying his interview style as The Rock, in my opinion. The Austin stuff makes sense. The Helmsley stuff, yeah, it makes sense. Like, things are different since I left. The Midian thing is totally funny, but it's just so random and not something that Austin would usually comment on, I feel like, that it really seems like he's aping The Rock here. I could be wrong, but come on, man. He feels The Rock chomping at his heels. He's got to, in my opinion. Ah, but enough about all that. I'm here to find that yellow bastard that ran me over with a car in the Survivor Series. That yellow bastard? You mean Nick Stahl from Terminator 3? Famously played that yellow bastard in Sin City. See, it's a pop culture feed now. We talk about wrestling and other stuff. That's why we're the new TNN. Jackasses. Anyway, he's like, I'm sending a message to all the WWF superstars in the back. He says it with the exact same inflection he used at King of the Ring 96. I wonder if that's a choice that he made as an actor. And i got to be serious here. This is not a new TNN actor analysis. Ooh, we should trademark that too. But, you know, he's calling back to his greatest hit. I mean, the guy's not stupid. He's obviously a great actor because his character has been over since the dawning of time. A bit of a hyperbole there, but I'm serious. That's a choice he probably made to harken back to this is my new decree. Why not just go the full Monty and create a new Austin numeric slogan? And yeah, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty here, uh, you know, but Austin 9-11 or Austin, I don't know. Like, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Austin twenty five seventeen. 17 you don't cross, don't cross the rattlesnake. I don't know, just something. Cross my ass, I beat yours. I mean, there you go. That's And that's just me. A fat guy with a podcast workshopping off the top of his head. Clearly, the branding specialist at the World Wrestling Federation could come up with something better. But if you're going to use that inflection and call back to your Austin 316 promo, sell some fucking t-shirts. Put that TNN logo on it even. I don't care. Make some goddamn money. Anywho, uh, it's time to drink some beer. So he drinks his beer. Stone Cold Steve Austin is here on TNN. Uh, Record scratch. Here comes Commissioner Mick Foley. Oh, you know, he's just as surprised as the rest of these people here to see the two of us in the same ring at the same time. But it's an honor, Steve. You see, guys, Mick Foley's the commissioner now. He's he's booking the show here in the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, but Stone Cold left a very important development off of his list of changes, and, and that's the development, that Foley is now in charge. See, Foley's coming out here to basically be like, I get where you're coming from, but, you know, I can't have you running around on my show creating a ruckus. And Austin's like, well, I don't know, Mick, can you describe the ruckus? That is a breakfast club joke here on the new TNN. 
But Foley says that he's okay with Austin doing his investigation, but he said he was going to violate some WWF superstar asses, and this is not the, the time or the place to violate asses. And he's not so much talking about the new TNN, but here on Monday Night Raw. He's like, you know, the boys in the back love me now, Steve, and the fans love me. And he gets kind of a mediocre pop, uh, especially the fans right here on the campus of Penn State University. Thumbs up, huge pop. That's why you're Mick Foley. Uh, but Mick says Austin doesn't have to worry because Mick Foley will lead an internal investigation and figure this whole thing out. Austin's like, well, you should know, Mick, I really don't give a damn about authority figures. And that has to be a blanket statement to introduce this character to a new audience, right? Because you've got two new audiences, people who maybe only watched the year 2000, and now people tuning into the new TNN expecting to see Star Trek The Next Generation, and they're seeing these new World Wrestling Federation superstars and their unique brand of weekly entertainment. You need to let people know that Austin defies authority. You know, Mick, you and I used to drive up and down the road together, and Mick, you're a piss-poor driver. Maybe it was you that hit me. But then, I hear some music. In a thunderous course of booze, strike down this man with great vengeance and furious anger. You would think these people could see into the future. Because Chris Benoit is here, and he's really mad. Chris Benoit is here, and he's really angry. Yes, it's Chris Benoit. They call him an asshole. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, I'd like to introduce myself to you, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm Chris Benoit. This is my Chris Benoit impression. I'll work on it for the next time we're on the new TNN. Uh, but last night... Austin, you, you, you went around looking to, to right your, the wrong that is the injustice that you say befell upon you with the Survivor Series. I met with an injustice last night. Last night, you see, Chris Benoit became the only person to win the World Wrestling Federation Championship twice and have it immediately taken from him and stricken from the record. I guess in that fatal four-way match for the title last night, Benoit got a false victory. Uh, shades of fully loaded 2000. Uh, 2000 uh, the dice pay-per-view. That's another pay-per-view I missed. You know, we just covered Breakdown. I missed uh, Fully Loaded 2000 because I was in... No, I didn't miss Fully Loaded 2000. I missed King of the Ring 2000 because I was in Europe getting some... Never mind. My kids listen to this show. Actually, they don't listen to the show, but I'm not going to say that. Anyway, uh, so Benoit wants a rematch tonight against The Rock right here on TNN. He doesn't actually say that, but I said that. Uh, and Foley says... Uh, you know, he's going to take this under consideration, and he considers it, and yeah. If anyone deserves justice around here, it's me, Mick. Come on. T, uh, uh, you know, Mick thinks about it some more. He points out a youngster in the, in the crowd that has a sign that says Ben Wall was screwed, and he actually makes note of it. Uh, next to him is a TNN 316 sign, so I appreciate all the fans that I had even back in the year 2000. Uh... Mick Foley then says that, yes, last night, apparently he did screw Chris Benoit worse than a White House intern. Record scratch. Seriously. On Breakdown in Your House, last episode of Bright Man that we did, Foley cut a promo where he threw shade at Monica Lewinsky. And guys... I just pulled this out of a hat. Well, I didn't pull this out of a hat. Obviously, I've been planning the rebranding. I knew I was going to cover this episode, but this is just fucking happenstance. Here we are, two years later, almost to the date, and Foley is still throwing shade at goddamn Monica Lewinsky, who, I, I will say, was the victim here. 
I mean the President of the United States manipulated a woman to give him a blowjob. Now, hey, uh, she's an adult, yes, but come on, this this is this is like, come on! I mean, come on, right? And and Foley continues to throw this shade. I I would like to see Monica Lewinsky and Mick Foley have a debate against one another in the modern era. We could call it Monica versus Foley, Dawn of Suckness, because I want to understand what this beef is all about. Can we squash it? Uh, Monica screwed Bill. No, Bill screwed Monica. But he is a fair man, says Foley, even though he continues to throw shade at the innocent Monica Lewinsky. Uh, So right here on the campus of Penn State University, Cheap Pop, The Rock, and Chris Benoit will battle in the first ever TNN main event of a Monday Night Raw. But uh uh-oh, here comes the Patriot. Oh no, it's just Kurt Angle. He stole the Patriot's theme song. Uh, He's fresh off of the uh, potentially game-changing storyline he had with Stephanie McMahon that famously brought in a massive influx of female viewership. Yeah, they really screwed the pooch on that one, eh? Kurt's like, well, my, you think your night was bad, Chris. My night was really bad. It makes the Penn State football season look great by comparison. Last night, I almost lost a friend when Stephanie McMahon Helmsley kicked me in the genitals and I lost to Triple H. And ladies and gen- gentlemen, sentences and delivery like that is what makes Kurt Angle Kurt Angle. That's the type of shit that a teenage Johnny C would latch on to. Because I would go out of my way after hearing Kurt Angle say something like this, to phrase sentences like he would to support my fandom for him. You know, I'd be like, well, if we turn in our biology books to page 175, we will now see pictures of the male genitals. Like, I, I, teenagers, you know, we grab on to shit like that. That's why you don't script these promos. Everyone has to have their own voice, in my opinion. Uh, but he is going to forgive, that being Kurt. Kurt is going to forgive Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley. That's why he says he almost lost a friend. Because Kurt went back and watched the tape. And he is well aware that Triple H gaslit Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley into kicking Kurt in said genitals. Uh, upon learning this information, the Penn State crowd starts a chant that is not welcome here on the new TNN. And that is all I'll say about it. Kurt Angle channels Johnny C and says, You see, Triple H, the wrestler, didn't beat me last night. Triple H, the abusive husband, beat me. And he wants a rematch. But Mick Foley denies this request. Angle is accepting of this ruling because now he wants to pivot to yell at Stone Cold Steve Austin. See, last night Stone Cold accused Benoit Angle of hitting him with a car. Well, Benoit didn't even work here at the time. And Kurt simply has too much integrity to have committed the heinous crime. Last night, I introduced myself to you, Steve, and I gave you a replica of a gold medal, and you attacked an American hero. So, an apology would be nice. He says, and I quote, Well, you know, Steve, I think that you owe I, me, and in a sense, the rest of America, an apology right now on TNN. Okay, he didn't say the TNN part. Uh, Guess what happens, fans? Uh, we get Dos Kick Wham Stunner. One for uh, Angle, one for Benoit. Austin drinks beer. And uh, we cut to the uh, announcer's table where uh, JR's like, Hey, King, you hear Stone Cold Steve Austin's music? That's Disturbs music. And they're going to be on the MTV debut of Sunday Night Heat Live this Sunday at 76 Central. King says, What a night this is going to be on TNN! 
We're going to go inside the new Playboy magazine featuring Mamacita, China. Oh! And don't forget tonight, the WWF title on the line, as well as the tag titles and much more here on TNN. We head to our first TNN commercial break, and we're back with a bang here on TNN. Because some pyro explodes, and it's Kane. JR lets us know he's coming to the ring to take on Rakishi. So there you go, folks. That's the answer to the trivia question. What was the first World Wrestling Federation match on the new TNN? Kane versus Rikishi. Interesting here to us with the benefit of hindsight because we know Rikishi will soon be revealed as a major villain in the annals of the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, but as of this point, he is still too cool's Rikishi, as JR would say. Rikishi comes down second. Kane meets him in the aisleway. They start throwing fists and the bell rings. So our first match is underway. History made on TNN. Um, Rikishi goes for the bell to protect himself against Kane's vicious outside the ring onslaught. But Kane knocks it out of Rikishi's hands and then smacks Rikishi against, uh, you know, with the bell against his skull. Uh, this is right in front of referee Teddy Long's eyes. But Teddy does nothing. Eventually, we fight our way into the ring, and some sweet quiche music knocks Kane down. Kane then eats a fucking Samoan drop. Rikishi is really in control of this thing. Like, ever since he got hit with the bell, Rikishi hasn't left his feet unless it was of his own design. So Rikishi getting put over here pretty hard. Eventually, uh, the fight breaks to the outside. King starts talking about how last night Rikishi beat up China. I find that interesting, since we know he's about to become a full-blown villain. During this uh, second fight on the outside of the ring, Kane pushes referee Teddy Long, and Rikishi then hits Kane with a chair, so Teddy says, fuck this, you guys are going one-on-one with The Undertaker. Actually, no, he just calls for the bell to be rung. So, about two minutes in to the first-ever match on the new TNN, the first-ever match on the new TNN ends in a double DQ, uh, an abrupt finish here on TNN. Uh, Teddy then summons all the referees from the back to break up this uh, hoss fight, this encounter of enormous egos. Uh, Kane flees the scene. JR lets us know that tonight the Hardys battle Edge and Christian in a TNN ladder match. Uh, And Jericho, that being Chris Jericho, will take on X-Pac in a TNN first blood match as we head to a commercial. However, we're back live on TNN at Penn State University. Austin is hunting in the back. The Stone Cold Steve Austin hunts his prey. He goes into a locker room, and he finds the new Undertaker here on the new TNN. Uh, In all seriousness, though, Taker is full booger red here. And he's like, man, don't even give me that look. You know I wouldn't dare. You know I was taking time off. I ain't the cat you're looking for. Spit some tobacco. If I had information, though, I'd give it to you. Because if they run you over... The SOB, he's still out there. He run me over, too. <laughs> you know, Austin, it's kind of shame, isn't it? Someday, me and you, we going to have to go. Well, I don't know. Is that a shame? You know, now I think about it, maybe it's not. <laughs> and we, f- we then cut to the bathroom. <laughs> but seriously, like... Is this supposed to impress me? This just makes me realize how fucking pure white trashy The Undertaker really is. Fitting, 
as this was once the Nashville Network, but come the fuck on. I can't believe I ever fell for this booger red bullshit. As I mentioned, though, we cut to a bathroom. We cut to a bathroom so hard, uh, there is actually a stuffed yellow dog reading the newspaper while sitting on a toilet. I know that's a hell of a transition. I'm wondering, though, if this is a inside joke to reference Brian Pillman, because I think Foley and Pillman were tight. And, of course, uh, this is Mick Foley's commissioner office. You know, he his office was always placed in rather unique locations, so here we are in the men's laboratory. Or is it the men's laboratory, I guess? I don't really know. As I said, the yellow dog sitting, watching Mick do his business. That means signing contracts at the office. He wasn't shitting. But he's singing, how much is that dog in the window? Edge and Christian enter the scene, complaining about being booked in a ladder match. Last night, they were in a goddamn steel cage match. And tonight, it's a ladder match. I think they lost the titles to the Hardys last night in this cage match. Foley's like, well, come on, guys. It's a historic night on TNN. It's our first night as a team, the WWF and TNN. Mick needs his top guys in this historic match against their arch rivals. I mean, it makes sense to me. I'm sold on this. As a way to entice these guys to go out there and do battle with the Hardys, Mick's like, and hey, that Lita's pretty hot, huh? Edge retorts, yeah, from a distance. (laughs) Oh, Edge, we know you hitting that shit. (laughs) By the way... He lets them know, if Edge and Christian don't win tonight, then they don't get any more shots at the WWF Tag Team Championships right here on TNN. Christian's like, whatever. It's going to be the shortest title reign ever for the Hardy Boys. Foley says, shorter than these? And he holds up a tiny drink umbrella. You know, from the movie Cocktail. (laughs) And Edge and Christian are like, what are you talking about, Mick? And he's like, you know, a tiny umbrella for a short reign. Edge calls Mick a Reekazoid. Is that like Freakazoid, that cartoon? And then Edge says that Mick Foley is dorkitude to the max. Edge and Christian leave. Mick says, well, I thought it was pretty funny. What did you think, Inga? A toilet then flushes, and an older gal named Inga exits from a stall. I guess it's the ladies' room. And she says, I thought that was rather funny, Mr. Foley. She again gives him some change, as Mick Foley has a dip jar, and we head to a commercial on the new TNN. We're back on the new TNN, King! And some bombs of pyrotechnic, of a pyrotechnic nature, excuse me, fall from the sky. Ah, King, we're back on our Negro broadcast here on TNN, and King, here come those damn Dudley Boys. JR lets us know that last night on Sunday Night Heat, the final broadcast on the USA Network that uh, the Dudleys and the APA, they were hanging out in the APA's office when they got a very special visitor. A person knocks on the door from off-camera. Bubba Dudley spikes the camera and yells, What's up? Yes, that's right. I refuse to do the impression because the Dudley boys should be embarrassed they did the impression for so long. Devon spikes the camera and yells, What's up? Yes, that's right. I again refuse to do the impression because the Dudley boys should be ashamed and embarrassed that they did the impression for so long. Farouk spikes the camera and yells, What's up? Bradshaw spikes the camera and yells, What's up? Although I will say, when it's Bradshaw's turn to take the signature catchphrase for a walk, he breaks character and can't help but hold back laughter, and it was quite humorous. The camera pulls out, and the visitor is revealed. 
It's a guy with a keg of Budweiser. The king says, Ah, that's right, JR! It was a Budweiser! What's up, guy? Uh, rather than give us the gentleman's name, JR just hypes that uh, Heat will be on MTV this weekend for the first time. Unbelievable, this poor gentleman can't even get his name dropped on national TNN television. But here, on the new TNN, I did some internet research just to back up my claims that the Dudley Boys did this shit for too long. I mean, these commercials started in December of 1999, and they're doing this shit in like 05, 06. I think when Paul Bear got put into a concrete crypt, the Dudley Boys were like, Paul Bear, what's up? Fucking pathetic. Anyway, here comes Taz. Oh, jeez, JR. It's our inaugural broadcast on TNN, and we got to put up with this jerk. I'm guessing the Taz is one half of a tag team that's going to be doing battle with the Dudley Boys. Uh, well, King, you got the shaft last night in your strap match against this, uh, uh, this human being. Jeez, JR, I guess you don't like Taz much either. Wait a minute, though. They're telling me it's a singles match? Bully v. Taz? Hey, cool! It's not Luther Reigns! It's Aces and Eights Explode! Uh, here on Raw, Cole. Taz cuts a promo. He calls out Bubba Ray Dudley for bringing his brother to a one-on-one encounter. Well, what's next? A King and the JR gonna help you out, huh? I see your set ain't big enough to go one-on-one with Taz. Devon leaves. The bell rings. JR with a dynamite segue. Uh, well, I guess Devon Dudley's gonna head to the back here on a night when the WWF title is gonna be on the line. I feel like Vince demanded a minimum of like 3.28 references to the main event on TNN every five minutes from these guys. I mean, they are just doing nothing but talking about the three big matches for the evening. Like I said, the bell rings. Sure enough, about 10 seconds into the match, JR hypes the ladder match instead of calling a near fall. And guess what Jim Ross talks about next? Oh, King is going to be first blood. During this match, the King says, what's up? About 17 times as well. It's just a little too much. Speaking of commentary, uh, Taz is identified as a street thug. Uh, a little bit too much for my comfort level. The King throws shade at Brooklyn, saying, like, who wants to be from Brooklyn? JR, though, realizing that, hey, we sell a lot of tickets there, tries to rein him in. Uh, uh, you know, King, not everyone uh, that lives in Brooklyn is a street thug. But Taz, well, he's uh, an enigma, to say the least. Now, I always thought Goldust was an enigma. And then, once we figured out Goldust, it was Edge who was an enigma. JR, could you spell enigma, as Shane would say, over on Kingfish. In the match, Bubba Ray Dudley yells, Powerbomb! He then hits a DDT. Okay, it was a powerbomb. It only gets two in what JR calls a near-fall situation. Bubba Ray Dudley is so enthused by this encounter, he accidentally hits the referee. Taz heads to the outside and gets in Jerry the King Lawler's face. The King pursues Taz. Oh my goodness! Out of the crowd, it's Raven! Who hired Raven, you son of a bitch? Back inside, though, as Raven is assaulting the King, Bubba hits a Bubba Bomb. However, Raven, on the outside... Hits even flow. His thoughts arrive like butterflies. He then heads into the ring. He looks at Bubba. Bubba is confused. Bubba is greeted with even flow. Taz makes the cover. The ref is now awake. One, two, 
Three, Jim Ross is appalled. Bubba Ray Dudley is just another victim. Speaking of victims, we head backstage where Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are sitting on a couch. Triple H has his arm around Stephanie. Triple H's shirt reads, Game over. You're damn right. I'm over. Triple H wants to know what's wrong. What's wrong, Steph? Steph's all like, Well, you know, Kurt Angle, he sang me happy birthday yesterday, and you didn't even get me a gift. You forgot. And Hunter's like, I didn't forget, Steph. Your gift is back home, gift wrap laying on our marital bed, ready for you to open when we get home and get off the road. Okay, that makes sense. But Hunter, why not slide something into your travel bag just to give her on the day? You know, slip her something on the day. And so every guy's like, hey, you know, Steph, it's your birthday. I should probably get laid for your troubles. Steph's like, fine, whatever, but what about that rough kiss you gave me last night? It wasn't very romantic. And the game's all like, well, you know, after a fight, I wasn't feeling very romantic. And besides, that kiss wasn't for you. It was for Kurt. Steph's like, what? He's like, it was to prove to Kurt Angle that you are mine. Well, I mean, I'm no sort of marital expert, Hunter, but those don't sound like very wise words. Back at the announce table, JR's like, Oh, King, it sounds like trouble in paradise. And speaking of trouble in paradise, let's check out this new youngster from Jamaica named Kofi Kingston. Okay, he doesn't say that. He does say sounds like trouble in paradise, and King's like, Let me tell you, that Raven, oh, I'm going to get my hands on Raven. JR lets us know that coming up next on TNN, a ladder match for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championships, and we head to a commercial. However, due to the power of Peacock, we're back. And the first thing we see is a big sign in the audience that just says TNN. I love it. Uh, Welcome back to our inaugural broadcast here on TNN. Here come the challengers, Edge and Christian, with a ladder. They're trying to regain what they lost just last night. Thank God this match is finally happening so Jim Ross can stop hyping it. Edge and Christian set up the ladder right as they enter and it's right under the belts. They start climbing. The Hardy Boys music hits. They rush down. The bell rings, and they stop Edge and Christian. Actually, I will say this. I don't know about the legality of when they can grab belts. Obviously, they can't grab them until the bell rings, but it's a pretty smart move, to be honest with you, especially since Edge and Christian, much like Loki, are a couple of tricksters. But I digress. Uh, The copyright hits, so I guess I should welcome everyone here to the first-ever edition of The War Zone. On TNN. Uh, Early poetry in motion, assisted by ladders, is hit on both of the evil Canucks. Edge is met with some penile trauma, fitting as it's delivered by Matt Hardy. Uh, Once Edge's dick gets assaulted, the king's like, Ah! What about those little edges? Ah! Later in the match, Matt Hardy eats a ladder assisted stun gun that busts him open. And you know, typical ladder match things happen here. It's not a complaint, it's just. There's nothing really out of the ordinary so far, and we're about five minutes in. And like I said, it's not a complaint. It's just you, you, you know what's happening here. Of course, as I say that nothing out of the ordinary is happening, Jeff Hardy is sandwiched in a ladder. The ladder is closed multiple times by Edge and Christian to inflict pain. Then they pick up the ladder with Jeff trapped inside like he's in the middle of a burrito, and they slam the ladder into the turnbuckle. We get some nice oohs and ahs from the crowd. JR says, good grief. And then 
Christian hits a CLB splash into the ladder, into Jeff Hardy, injuring himself, but also furthering inflicting pain upon one Jeff Hardy. Edge and Christian set up two ladders. The Hardy boys are like, well, fuck you, Edge and Christian. I've got a big ladder. And they find, of course, the big ladder. They clothesline it into the kidneys of an Edge and a Christian. Uh, they set up the big ladder, and the king's like, ah, good grief, JR. Look at the size of that ladder. So, JR and the king are arguing for Charlie Brown uh, related, quote, dominance, I suppose. I've never heard someone say good grief so much in a match. As soon as King says, good grief, JR, look at the size of that ladder. JR's like, oh man, look at the size of that ladder. <laughs> All right, I will look at it. Matt climbs the large ladder. He signals this climbing by yelling, oh, to the crowd. He gets about halfway up. He turns. He Tarzans yet again. Oh! Edge puts a stop to this, however, and tosses him off of the ladder, and he gets thrown outside the ring. Now, as this is occurring, Jeff climbs up the regular-sized ladder and grabs a hold of the uh, strap that holds the belts, like, you know, the circle thing that holds the belts. I'm not a scientist. What do you want me to call it? Christian removes the ladder from underneath Jeff. Jeff is dangling. Edge, of course, is across from him, halfway up the big ladder. I wonder what's going to happen. It's true, we're just doing the spear spot. However, I will say this. Edge dives forward and hits the spear. And while it's not the visual spectacle that's on par with what we will see in the future at WrestleMania X7, I would argue that this leap from Edge is more impressive on a horizontal basis. Good God, I've been doing these WWF slash E podcasts so long, I just now describe things as if I sound like one of the commentary team members. But I meant what I said. It's an impressive horizontal leap nonetheless. Uh, the crowd starts chanting for fecal matter, as one does. We get multiple replays of the spear. Uh, we get another good grief spot, as JR says, that was a historic maneuver on a historic night on TNN. Good grief. Now Lita is here. She hits Edge with a chair. Uh, Christian says, fuck you, Lita. It's the year 2000 and gives her an unprettier. So she's out for quite a bit. Christian then positions the big ladder underneath the championship belts. He goes to climb and suddenly collapses from the effort. Now look, it's quite humorous, but it really stands out that Christian was about to climb and sort of side-eyed and saw that everybody else was down and was like, oh shit, if I climb the ladder... Uh, it's not going to make any sense if I don't grab the belt, so I'm hurt now, too. After about uh, 20 seconds down, he starts to get up and starts climbing. He slips. Matt is now in. They exchange blows and collapse. Christian gets back up. He's awfully close to the belts now. Matt climbs up and hits a ladder-assisted teardrop suplex. Yikes, it looks like it hurt. Matt Hardy is the first person up. He gets about two steps up on the ladder, and Edge hits what I guess you would call an EKO, maybe? I mean, I suppose you could call it a face-cutting maneuver, but he just hits a diamond cutter, RKO, EKO, whatever you want to call it. JR is feeling this match. Thanks, thank you to all of you who are watching. What a match for our initial broadcast here on TNN. Edge climbs up top to the to, to grab the belts. Matt power bombs him. JR, I swear, almost calls it a moonsault. He's like, look at the impact from the moo, uh, the powerbomb. 
Matt starts to climb the big ladder, but gets hit with a low blow. As he's in dick pain, Edge and Christian set up the two tiny ladders next to the big guy. So it, if you look at it from the side, it kind of looks like a penis. Because Biggie is the huge Theo James-esque cock. Anybody else watch the White Lotus? Was that thing real? Lucky bastard. And, and the little ladders look like testes, if you will. So Matt is climbing the cock. Edge and Christian are climbing the testes. And they have chairs. They're clearly about to deliver a concerto. Christian, however, drops his chair. Thank goodness, though, it's not a botch. Jeff and Lita are uh, tipping the ladders. Is that, and that's what causes Christian to drop his chair. Uh, they toss out Edge and Christian. Matt is so close. JR yells, show me the money, Matt Hardy. Actually, he should have yelled, show me the money, Jeff Hardy, because Matt's climbing. Uh, Matt grabs the belts and this thing's over. Look, it's definitely a fine match. Nothing bonkers or out of the ordinary we haven't seen before. And I'm not trying to shortchange the effort. I know these guys just did a crazy cage match last night, and here they are being asked to go out there like a couple of sideshow side circus attractions and do it again on a ladder. But it's our first night on TNN, pals. Don't you want to go out there and be big stars? I don't I don't know what to rank. It's three and a half, three and three quarters. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's totally fine. As soon as Matt Hardy grabs the championship belts... JR is like, and you know what, King? That's not the only gold on the line tonight because The Rock is going to defend the WF title against Chris Benoit her main event on TNN. And uh, there's a storyline implication to this Hardy Boys victory. Edge and Christian can no longer challenge the Hardys as long as they're champions. The King's like, forget about that, JR. Look, Lita has on red underwear. Hoo-hoo! We get replays of the spear, replays of the finish. We get a nice close-up of Jeff Hardy looking high as fuck. And then we smash cut to the back of the arena where we see Pat Patterson and Joe Briscoe. They're sitting in some chairs looking oh so very sad. The camera pulls out, and we see that Stone Cold is interrogating them. Uh, Mr. Austin, it wasn't me, I swear. I was back home in Florida. I had a 102-degree fever. What do you mean? I was the one at home. Don't you remember? I went home for an anniversary. Austin's like, shut up. I know both you sons of bitches were there, but I know you sons of bitches didn't do it because you ain't got the sack to do it. But if I find out you guys know anything about who did it and you don't tell me, I'll beat a squirrely worm right out of your ass, you sons of bitches. And then Austin leaves. Patterson and Briscoe bicker some more. And Pat's, as, as we're cutting, Pat's like, what are you talking about, Jerry? You're sick. You smoke too much. China is walking towards the ring to talk about Playboy as we head to a commercial. We're back! We see, though, before we're back with China, a video where Mick Foley is telling us that we have the power to elect the next president of the United States. No, Mick, I'm sorry you've been misinformed. It's actually Florida that has the power. Uh, and and, and should, shouldn't Mick Foley be leaving these presidential scenarios alone for quite a bit? We spoke about this earlier. I'll leave it at that. But if you need to register to vote, hit up WWFVote.com. I don't know what it does now, but it sounds like it might be awfully collusional. But if you want more information, click at your own risk. JR promotes that the WWF has indeed registered 100,000 new voters, and that's a cool thing. But we have yet to hear from George W. Bush or Al Gore. King's like, come on, don't ignore the real people in this country. Come to SmackDown and do a debate. All right, 
Uh, JR is getting like, yeah, this is to come debate in the future of the country. I mean, I get the angle, but come the fuck on. You really think this is going to happen? The security implications alone. But don't treat me like a woman. Don't treat me like a man. Here comes China with her bazooka. Woo! JR is like, what a great time to be China. She just got engaged to Eddie Guerrero on SmackDown. And her Playboy came out today, and it's awesome. China shoots off her bazooka. She gets in the ring, and she's uh, got two big blown-up covers of her Playboy in the ring. The King's losing it, talking about the photos. Uh, JR chimes in, uh, very, very classy photos and a beautiful presentation of China by the folks at Playboy. All jokes aside, like, I didn't mean that as a joke. I was, it's, it's funny that King's like, she's naked! And JR's like, uh, very, very classy photos. But JR says she deserves her success and that everyone in the WWF is so happy for China. We then cut to a tween girl in the crowd, reminiscent of the old Bailey fan, uh, Izzy. And she has a China is number one sign. And it makes me so fucking sad that this woman, China, was chewed up by the wrestling business and spit out. If she would have been around in this modern era, she would have been an even bigger star than she was now. I've talked about China on shows ad nauseum. I don't want to get into a whole thing about it. But if this China love I'm giving you is interesting, on the North-South Connection Podcast Network, you guys know I appear there doing Multiverse of Fabulousness and formerly WCW Must Die. Um, Episode 8 of the Multiverse of Fabulousness was called Johnny C's WrestleMania 16. It was sort of a gag on Zack Snyder's Justice League in, in title only. It's like my director's cut of WrestleMania 16, which is why it's called 16 and not 2000. But I rebooked... The entire show, famously, my main event was Triple H defending against China for the WWF Championship, and I I went into the storyline. I blew a whole load there on it. If it's interesting to you, listen to it. I think it'll be worth your time. It's one of the shows I'm most proud of, to be honest with you, uh, but that's all I'll say about it because I'm not here to sell shit. Uh, but yeah, China, she's a standout act, man. I don't know what else to say. It's just really too bad, but uh, I don't know. This is a good moment for her. Let's see what she has to say. Before China can speak, though, the king promises us that tonight they're going to show us the actual photos from Playboy. JR's all like, ah, easy, tiger. The king apologizes that he can't stand up and give China a standing ovation right now. Anyway, China says the tabloids have all been reporting on fashion this week. You know, the, the Emmys and the MTV Awards just happened, and everyone's taking a look at what the celebrities were wearing. And sure enough, her MTV Music Video Awards outfit made the list. Oh, MTV! Oh, that's right, King. MTV, the new home of Sunday Night Heat. But next to her in the tabloids were about six or seven other women that are what society calls the standard of beauty. China says these women all looked very hungry. And the truth of the matter is, for years, people had ridiculed China for the way she's looked. They've called her ugly. They've called her a freak. They've called her other cruel things. But yet, these sickly-looking women are still held in the highest of regards by our society. Well, China has worked her way to the top of a male-dominated business. This gets light cheers. She holds her own in the ring and has gained respect. And she's starting to tear up now. And, you know, it's very real. No jokes here. She's happy that she's a pioneer. And that's why the guys have given her the name the Ninth Wonder of the World. Big cheers for that. And no one can call her ugly now because she's on the cover of Playboy. She proudly displays the two giant covers that are in the ring. She says it may sound corny, but she wants to thank the WWF 
for giving the freak an opportunity. She thanks the boys in the back. She's super emotional at this point. And then she thanks the fans for, as she bluntly says, wanting to see me naked. Which is a nice, fun, like humorous caper to put on an emotional speech. Everybody cheers. Everybody's happy. It's a very real moment. I'll say nothing about it that's unkind because I felt it. You could tell. Uh, The king is losing it, though. He's like, oh, when are we going to see it? When are we going to see it? China's theme music hits. It's a huge celebration. Warning. 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 Oh, no. It's the right to censor. Oh, no. Not here. Not now. It's Stephen Richards, Bull Buchanan, the Good Father, and Val Venus. They're just standing on the rampway by the Titantron. We get some big asshole chants. Val says, There are no facts or logic in your speech, and clearly all the votes were cast illegally. Oh, wait, no, that's a different argument of Val's. He calls the Playboy magazine sugar-coated pornography. Val calls for a boycott of the magazine, says that we can all get together at the Capitol building and protest. But more importantly, don't buy this magazine and don't see China naked. Mamacita! You want some Latino heat? Here comes the intercontinental champion and China's fiancé. Eddie enters through the side so he can avoid the right to censor group. He's bringing some flowers. Jerry the King Lawler, upon seeing Eddie Guerrero, yells... Oh, you really need me to say it. He yells, Latino heat! Eddie has a microphone. Did I hear you correctly, S.A.? She's not worth it? Well, she's the hottest, sweeting, sexiest-looking mamacita on Playboy naked. Oh, mommy, what are you, stupid? See, I didn't want to do an Eddie Guerrero impression. Because, you know, I'm not Eddie Guerrero. But I threw it in there at the end. Tonight, Eddie will defend the honor of Mamacita by putting the Intercontinental title on the line against Aval Venus. My God, more gold on the line here on TNN! China throws in to the right to censor boys that after they see her ass in Playboy, tonight, well, they can kiss it. JR yells, Oh my! Oh my God! What a night we're having on TNN! Meanwhile, in the back... Someone is reading the USA Today in the locker room. They're reading the sports section. The paper is lowered, and it's Kurt Angle. Sure enough, he's reading about the Olympics. It's quite humorous. He's pointing at things and saying, Oh, I beat him. Oh, I can beat him. Suddenly, a year 2000 Trish Stratus is here. She wants to know if Kurt saw China in Playboy. Kurt lets Trish know he doesn't read Playboy. Trish then tells Kurt that Stone Cold Steve Austin was so mean to Kurt Angle last night. You know, if Kurt offered Trish a gold medal, she would happily take it. Kurt looks at Trish and says, Cool. He goes back to reading the newspaper. Trish is clearly thrown through a loop, but she keeps going. She wants to know if Kurt still has the gold medal from last night. Yes, I do. May I try it on, Trish would like to know. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Kurt hands Trish the medal. Trish puts on the medal. Now, you can still clearly see the fabric that holds the medal around someone's waist, but the gold medal itself seems to have disappeared once Trish Stratus put it on. Hmm. Where could this medal have gone? She asks Kurt if the medal looks nice around her neck. Kurt turns... His face, 
at level with the gold medal. It's clearly written all over Kurt Angle's face that he may suddenly have an inkling as to what Trish is trying to get across. He stares at the gold medal, no longer in our view, and says, It's true. It's true. X-Pac is walking towards the ring. Chris Jericho is walking towards the ring. First Blood on TNN is next. We head to a commercial, but hey, we're back. The countdown of Jericho hits. The concussion bombs ignite. Break the walls down, indeed. We're back with this explosive night on TNN. <laughs> I mean, seriously, the the Jer- Jericho's pyro just went off, and that's JR's dynamite. We're back. Oh, we're back with the explosive night on TNN. Now, I was kind of thrown through a loop about this, because these guys are feuding in September of 2000. Famously, in September of 1999, Jericho is feuding with Shamrock, that being Kenny Kenny. Shamrock leaves the WWF, and they just pivot the feud to X-Pac. So, exactly one year later, Y2J and X-Pac are having another feud. A sign in the audience says, Fozzie is metal. And hey, how about uh, Fozzie's Judas song showing up in the latest season of Cobra Kai? The Stingray character even sings it. Like, what a Judas did my man! I don't know. I thought that was kind of fun. Fun. Uh, tonight's Raw is sponsored by WWF Shop Zone, the new right guard extreme sport. And, to my interest, Squaresoft's new title for the PlayStation game console, Parasite Eve 2. Oh, Parasite Eve 2, what a disappointment you were. I actually enjoy the, the first Parasite Eve quite a bit. The second one, to me, was quite a failure. Up, oh, I hear some different theme music. Here comes Mike Tyson. Oh no, it's just X-Pac still using Mike Tyson's theme song. Jericho sprints to the entrance and strikes as X-Pac enters. The bell rings, so here we go. We get some early X-Pac sucks chants. Uh, The two combatants fight to the ring, uh, but Pac gets knocked right back out and grabs himself a chair. He takes a big swing. It's a big miss. Back inside, and it's suddenly a battle of intelligent feet. Uh, JR lets us know, uh, don't forget, tonight The Rock is putting the WWF title on the line right here on TNN. Oh, don't worry, James. I couldn't possibly forget it at this point. X-Pac is now standing on the ring apron. Jericho goes to the corner for his patented springboard dropkick of Jericho. Oh, Chris, I think it's time to retire this move, buddy. He misses, clearly, by a country mile. The King yells, ah, he missed him. X-Pac sells the impact, and flies to the floor. JR tries to cover and calls it a glancing blow. We're all outside now. JR finally references educated feet. It took him long enough. A sign in the crowd reads www.belfontwrestling.com. I visited this website. It's no longer in service. X-Pac gets bulldogged on the solid steel steps of steel, but there's no blood. Jericho swings a chair and gets a miss. Yikes! X-Pac grabs a pitcher of water from the timekeeper and smashes it right on the face of Chris Jericho, and Jericho is bleeding like a stuck pig. X-Pac adds insult to injury and wipes the blood all over his face. Jesus, that's so gross. I don't know how these fucking guys do this shit. Uh, Needless to say, though, the bell rings, X-Pac is victorious. But X-Pac is not done. He'd like to add a little bit more insult to this injury. X-Pac looks under the ring. He finds some nunchucks! Ah, a fellow chucker, eh? Tim White pleads with X-Pac not to strike blows with these nunchucks. 
X-Pac is distracted by this. Jericho initiates some dick trauma. X-Pac is in pain and drops the nunchucks. Now Jericho has the chucks. And nunchucks straight to the face of an X-Pac by a Chris Jericho. X-Pac flies outside the ring. Jericho still has the nunchucks. He swings them and makes a face in mockery of X-Pac's nunchuck-based skills. Chris Jericho pursues X-Pac to the outside. X-Pac is now also bleeding. Jericho tosses X-Pac onto the announce table. He hits a table-assisted variant of the walls of Jericho. Y2J celebrates his moral victory. JR yells, It's a blood feud! I thought that was already established, Jim. Meanwhile, in the backstage, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are still sitting on the couch. My God, the attention span on these people. Stone Cold Steve Austin enters. The Helmsleys stand. Stephanie yells, Stone Cold, I gave you your hat back yesterday. And I told you Shane knew who ran you over. And it wasn't one of the McMahons and you didn't listen. And you stunned Shane three times and you poured beer on him. Stephanie, thank God, would go on to be a much better performer. But it blows my mind seeing her like this. Uh, She's done. Austin looks at Triple H and says, Are you going to shut her up? I'm not going to have to do it. Yikes! (laughs) Triple H cares not for this insult. I heard you were looking for me. Oh, yeah, I'm conducting a little investigation. You're a prime suspect. Triple H has indeed become a star in Stone Cold Steve Austin's absence. He's had much to gain from Austin being injured. Why don't you look me in the eyes and give me your story? Triple H tells Austin that he's a man. And if he wanted to take out a Stone Cold Steve Austin, he'd do it straight to his face. But he doesn't know who was behind the wheel. Well, you're either a liar or a crazy son of a bitch or you're telling the truth. Suddenly, we cut to the Raw is War fence-based interview area. Little Mikey Cole is with the current World Wrestling Federation champion, Black Adam. Black Adam, tonight you put the title on the line against Chris Benoit. Oh, Benoit claims to be the best wrestler, but Benoit pinned the Undertaker. Undertaker has foot on the ropes, which means you won absolutely nothing. You're not the champ, but you are the all-time, without a shadow of a doubt, punk-ass son of a bitch. The Wolverine versus the Bravo Bowl tonight on TNN. We head to a commercial. We're back, and we're at the announce table. Jerry the King Lawler has a comically oversized towel, so it must be time to look at Playboy. Uh, What do you know? I was right. We get still photos of the Playboy spread. Obviously, uh, it's censored. The Playboy logo is draped across across China's unmentionables, but nonetheless, the King still hyperventilates. JR adds, oh, these are classy photos, and then adds, I quote, We hope you will, uh, explore Playboy this month and see a side of China you've never seen. Mamacita! Here come Eddie and China to defend the Intercontinental Gold here on TNN. Uh, Val Venus enters with Stephen Richards. The bell rings, so here we go. It's fisticuffs of fury right away. Eddie Guerrero, of course, is a brilliant sports entertainment performer. And he uses Val's tie to toss Val around the ring. King spends most of this match talking about China's secret tattoo that he saw in Playboy. It's a typical match. I don't want to throw shade at it, but I really don't want to talk about it. The ending sees Steven Richards climb up on the apron to complain about the match. China rips the pants of Steven Richards completely off. We do see his full ass because his underwear is pulled down. 
Uh, Val is appalled by this, but gets schoolboyed for an easy one, two, three. Steven is so angry, he rips his own shirt off. So he's standing in the ring with his boots on, his knee brace, his socks, his tie, and what appear to be gray briefs. JR, actually pretty funny here, yells, Look at all white socks! Uh, Rock Benoit for the title is just a heartbeat away on TNN! We head to a commercial. We're back live at WWF New York. We see that earlier in the evening, Crash Holly tried to order some booze and was denied because he doesn't look old enough. I don't want to talk about this, though, because, oh my goodness, I hear some chipper music in the arena. It sounds like this. It's Stephen William Regal. Well, it's William Regal, but he's got a mic and he's wearing a nice suit and he introduces himself as Stephen William Regal. He's a goodwill ambassador from Great Britain. Uh, he's very grateful to be here at an institute of learning. Uh, we all like watching the telly, but even institutes of learning with solid reputations like this one teach us the value of other fine forms of entertainment. Like the joy of literature. <laughs> so, uh, Regal kind of ahead of the curve here, dissing on Penn State for being a solid institute of learning. Uh, but Regal is going to read us some Shakespeare. He's here to perform Hamlet, and feel free to join in at home if you'd like. Regal begins to perform. Who's there? Nay, answer me. Stand and unfold yourself. Wrong live the king. Bernardo, he come most carefully upon your hour. Suddenly, the glass shatters. Oh, that ain't Shakespeare! That's the Texas rattlesnake! Well, I see how one could easily confuse the two, so thank you, Jim. King adds a ridiculous statement. Yeah, I bet the rattlesnake thinks Shakespeare is an African dance or something! Alright. Austin enters the ring. Kick wham stunner. Austin stands up, walks right out. They play the theme music the entire time. It's it's actually very humorous. I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Austin leaves. JR lets us know that Austin only reads Field and Stream and probably would have let Regal get away with it if that's what he chose to read. Regal's beside himself. We cut to the backstage area. Chris Benoit is staring into a mirror, throwing shadow punches and running in place. It's crazy Keith creepy. Benoit rock for the title. It's next. Commercial, we're back. We get a replay of Austin stunning Regal, and it's time for our TNN main event. Chris Benoit enters with Shane McMahon at his side. King thinks this means that Benoit is definitely going to win the gold. I, I pontificate this. Should they have made a big move on their TNN debut and done something like that? Someone yells Shazam, and here comes The Rock. JR lets us know that Shane helped Benoit at Fully Loaded, so we could see a repeat of that tonight. The Rock poses, the bell rings, and here we go. The King is talking about how Benoit got screwed at Unforgiven, but JR puts this and the entire evening into perspective. That was last night. We're here. We're now. We're on TNN. We're live. And the WWF title is on the line. I see a great sign in the front row. It's just a bullseye that reads, Elbow Pad. I like that kind of stuff. We get a very loud, Shane's a pussy chant. Uh, King says, Hey, you know, JR, Shane is cat-like with his quickness. Uh, Shane proves this by interfering early in the match when The Rock locks in the sharpshooter. 
it's an amazing application of the hold. Clearly, The Rock is the one who taught Brett how to do this. But Shane enters and clocks The Rock, and the ref is completely unaware of this. You see, JR? He's cat like The ref didn't even see him. Oh, what a night it would be. Our first night on TNN, where we're going to be every Monday night for Chris Benoit to leave here with the WWF title. Now, serious for just a second. In retrospect, it's probably a good thing they didn't do this because, you know, it's Chris Benoit, but we didn't know that at the time. So, to be more serious about it, why not just do it? Make the switch. You can switch it back on SmackDown if you really want to, but really make an impact here on TNN. Well, hell, hold it until the next week on TNN. Do a rematch, then switch it back. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Make an impact. Meanwhile, back in the ring, Chris Benoit yells, Achtung! as he hits Germans. The third suplex is countered by The Rock, and The Rock hits the lay in the SmackDown float over DDT for only a two count. Later in the match... Benoit goes up top, and he hits the headbutt. He should be victorious, but he can't make the cover due to the self-inflicted pain. Later in the match, Shane breaks up a three count by yanking the referee's leg. Earl Hebner actually exits the ring and yells at Shane like, Hey, put up your dukes! Shane begs for forgiveness. Earl climbs back up to the ring apron to enter the ring, but the rock gets tossed into Earl, and Earl flies like a sack of potatoes into the security railing. JR is begging that another referee comes down. Oh, come on! There's like ten of you back there watching this thing! The rock hits his patented spit punch, but Shane McMahon strikes him from behind. The rock is dazed. Benoit is out of it. Shane celebrates this elementary accomplishment with some unscripted dance moves. The Rock sees this and is unamused. It's a standoff. Shane swings. Rock hits Spinebuster. Rock goes for the elbow, but Benoit attacks before the ceremony of the elbow toss can begin. Chris Benoit gets a chair. Shane McMahon holds The Rock. Guess what happens? Shane is out now. The Rock and Chris fight to the outside. Stephanie McMahon is here. She's concerned for her big brother Shane. Triple H is here. He's concerned concerned for his wife's big bosoms. Uh, Triple H is like, come on, Steph, let's get out of here. Stephanie's like, help me, Hunter. So Triple H and Stephanie roll Shane out of the ring to safety. JR is still begging for another referee. Rock and Benoit enter the ring. Wouldn't you know it, Benoit gets accidentally whipped into Triple H. Triple H is mad and drapes Benoit's throat across the ring ropes. Creepy. Benoit comically walks in a daze, safely into the arms of a Black Adam rock bottom. Luckily, Earl Hebner is up and makes the 1-2-3. The Rock celebrates. Triple H looks on, wondering, could he someday be the World Wrestling Federation champion? Oh no, Kurt Angle is here. He pushes The Rock out of the way, but Angle wants Hunter. Benoit attacks The Rock, and Triple H is attacked by Kurt Angle. The heels are clearly in control here. I wonder, is Triple H turning face? Like, obviously, they pivot hard away from that. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. Uh, You know, what have you. But this is kind of interesting to see this small window in time where it could be happening. Now, Triple H has hurt ribs, I guess. And Angle is beating the shit out of H's ribs. Stephanie is appalled by this and slaps Kurt Angle in the face. Angle is not happy about this recent development, but he's not, like, violent towards Steph. He's just like, Steph, what are you doing? Why would you slap me? 
Chris Benoit walks over to these two lovers in quarrel. The Rock is unconscious. Triple H is unconscious. Benoit says, because we can pick it up on the microphone, What are you doing, Kurt? This is Stephanie McMahon. Hmm. Could Benoit perhaps be here to protect Stephanie from a rage-filled Kurt Angle? No! Chris Benoit grabs Stephanie McMahon's hair. Son of a bitch, he had her skull to skull, and Stephanie is done. Chris Benoit leaves with a sickening smile on his face. Chris Benoit assaulted a woman. What a great way to end our inaugural broadcast here on TNN. The copyright hits and we're done. Wow. What a horrendous ending. Of course, that's all with hindsight. I, I get, I, I, in all seriousness, like I get that striking Stephanie is like a big thing in storyline. So, all right. Obviously, you've just turned Triple H uh, mega face to go up against Benoit at the pay-per-view, I think. So, whatever. It's fine. It makes sense. And now Angle and Rock are going to go head-to-head. I think Angle's about to win the title next month, so that is fine. Um, you know, this show, I will say, now that it's over, it did have a big episode feel to it. Let me try to quantify that. Lots of gold was on the line. The three major titles, okay? Lots of stipulation matches, ladder matches, first blood matches. There was a show-long storyline with Austin interrogating people. And Austin was all over this thing. It's his first Raw back. It's the new TNN. Like, it makes total sense. And the episode was fine. Like, it was an easy watch. This thing breezed by like it was nobody's business. You know, I'm not here to rank it. But you know what? I'll give it a thumbs up. Watch the show. It's fun. You could watch a lot fucking worse on Peacock. There's plenty of bad content. Trust me. But, pivoting away from that, there's not one ounce of bad content here on the new TNN. Our first episode of Bright Man on the new TNN is in the books. And if you liked it, spread the word. Let your friends know about the new TNN and subscribe so you get notified whenever new content drops. I'm Johnny C. A winner is you, and together we are Pops.